Hello and welcome to I Assure You We're Podcasting, the show on Talk Film Society, where we discuss the work of Kevin Smith. Today, we are going to be taking a look at the 14th movie by Kevin Smith, the one that we've all been leading up to here, Clerks 3. I'm Mike, and I'm joined once again by Marcelo from Talk Film Society. Yes. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me back once again. Oh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, watching the movie yesterday so that uh, we could talk about this. My pleasure. All right. <laughs> You're welcome. And we also have Marcelo's co-host on various podcasts, Marcus. How's it going, Marcus? Hello. Hi, Mike. Hi, Marcelo. It's always good to talk to you, uh, Marcelo. Hello, Marcus. And, uh, hi, Mike. I'm happy to uh, be on the show. Uh, I'm a... Hi. Hi. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it seems like out of the Film Society talkers, um, you are one of, if not the big, biggest Kevin Smith fan. Um, are you talking to me or Marcus? <laughs> oh, it's Marcus. I course. thought that was obvious, <laughs> at, but whatever. At one point in my life, I was absolutely the biggest Kevin Smith fan. I, I, I watched all of his movies, obviously. I listened to his audio commentaries. Uh, the man had uh, five or six podcasts at one point. I listened to them all. Eventually, I kind of had a little bit of a falling out, and I would say it happened between Yoga Hosers and Reboot. Just kind of, I got tired of the Kevin Smith personality, I think. And uh, by the time that I did see Reboot, which my first time watching it, I quit about halfway through because it just felt like, uh, you know, fan service. And I didn't really consider myself a fan anymore. And then I watched it uh, a couple days ago and I, I really had a fantastic time watching it. I felt like, yeah, this is fan service, but... Kevin Smith has a great way with dialogue, and it's part of the reasons why I fell in love with him in the first place. The the movie has things to say about uh, Hollywood culture, uh, how it's kind of just regurgitating the same ideas over and over and kind of stagnating. And I would say that's ultimately what that film's about, even if the man himself is like a total Marvel shill. He has interesting things to say, and I, I frankly, I, I think I can call myself a Kevin Smith fan once again, but it's probably limited to his work uh, as a filmmaker more than it is to his personality as a NFT guy, weed entrepreneur, podcaster, uh and all that type of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm much less interested in that than I am is in him as a filmmaker. Cool. Well, I mean, it's a, it's, it's an interesting journey that, that he's been on, especially the past few years or longer than that, trying to get clerks three made. Um, but Hey, it's finally here and who knows what will be next. Will it be Tusk two? 
It'll be, it'll be Kilroy the, was here too. I think he's already yeah, yeah. like signed up to direct that next year. Right. Yeah. I guess there's still Kilroy is here one. If that, does it count that that's out yet or not? I don't even I, know. I, yeah. I was just about to ask you about that. Is that yeah. a thing that like the NFTs were minted and sold? I think like, is there, a, I mean, did, some, did somebody leak it yeah. online? Is there any way to watch that? Mike, why didn't you buy an NFT of that and, and, <laughs> well, and have it be part of the show? <laughs> <laughs> um i, I uh it, yeah um what's your excuse i did man? i did just because i was i was curious because i'm like what well first off i don't i still don't quite understand how the whole nft thing works but you know there was you know i'm like wait a minute i i just heard something where you know someone said i think it might have been him that like you could buy an nft and then i guess watch the movie i don't know he was talking about doing like live shows too and everything so i'm like how much does it cost to buy one of these things and it was like two hundred dollars or something like that and i'm like that's a lot of money for something that i don't know what it is see my understanding is you technically own like a piece of the copyright of the movie and you can kind of do whatever you want with it. And his second Kilroy was here film is going to be kind of, uh, the community of, of dorks that bought the NFTs, uh, using all of their, uh, uh, brain power and massive creativity that I'm sure they have to come together to make kind of a, uh, different, like multimedia kind of, uh, experience with, uh, a lot of different input where it's going to have like essentially 5,000 executive producers. It sounds like that one time those rich dorks, or I don't even know if they're rich, they just came together, bought that like Dune, like book, and like we're like, oh, now we own Dune. Let's make our own Dune movie. Um, without realizing just how much work that has you know to uh they they don't own dune just by buying this like thing it's it sounds similar but to me i i listen this may prove i don't know what nfts are either <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know how they work but uh but after watching clerks 3 i know a little bit more about nfts though like I, there's definitely a lot of nft talking after 3. watching clerks 3 i feel like i know less about nfts honestly yeah, i was gonna say like that i don't think that that went into anything aside from you know whatever i'm kidding of course um, but we'll get into it when yes. we talk about the movie yeah but, well can, can can i quickly jump on what marcus was saying like mm-hmm. i uh uh mike you and i had this conversation about reboot or the or uh, when i saw reboot i kind of had that similar realization that marcus was talking about with like smith where I had a turnaround, partly because of this podcast, partly because I smartened up. But watching me watching Smith movies over the last few weeks, months, and then watching reboots where I hated that movie through like 75% of its runtime. And then when the the Chasing Amy stuff happens, when like the, the, the finale happens where it happens in almost every Kevin Smith movie, this like big long emotional speeches these 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 like uh, um payoffs to these emotional beats it's like kevin smith nails it in a reboot and made me like it by the end which is insane because like i said for better part of that movie that movie's terrible but in the end he won me over and like that yeah. is what smith is that's like i understand smith as a filmmaker now more having seen and rewatched these movies and talking about them on this, on this podcast too 
I know what I like about him now, <laughs> and I'll get into it with Clerks 3, but yeah, like watching Reboot, I was like, whoa, it's like, he does still know how to do that, even though I think a lot of that movie doesn't work. Like, he still knows how to write this dialogue that really packs a punch. So, yeah, I am, okay, I'll just say this, pre-Clerks 3, that's where I, that's where I was. I'm like, yeah, I understand Smith as a filmmaker. I know what I like about him now. I can really cement what it is that he still can do well as a filmmaker, like through reboot. I don't see it much in like Tusk or Yoga Hoshers, but in reboot, I see it. So that's what I was anticipating with Clerks 3 is like more of that, which I guess we'll talk about soon, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess before we get into our thoughts on the movie, uh, just uh, to give a little bit of backstory for this, I think, uh, you know, after Clerks 2, you know, being made, uh, well, 12 years after the the original came out, I think he sort of had the idea of doing that too, like, you know, making it one a decade and, you know, talking about life in his 20s and life in his 30s and Clerks 3 being life in his 40s, which you know, he had to fudge a little bit, you know, I mean, he, he had talked about how like <clears throat> he felt that he needed to get this movie out before the end of the decade. And he, he didn't, but like, if you watch the movie, like characters are still in their forties and, you know, I mean, I guess that fits well enough because, you know, the, uh, the central, um, uh, incident or whatever, which is tied to his life, is something that happened to him when he was in his forties. So fine, you know, okay, we'll we'll let him fudge that a little bit. Um, but it was originally uh, a much different movie, and yeah. uh, he could never really get it off the ground for various reasons. A big stumbling block being the the fact that you know he couldn't get. The Jeff, cast on board. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Anderson, Anderson didn't want to play. He didn't want to come back for Randall because he didn't think the. Well, he he like quit the acting life, and I think uh, he didn't find the script uh, interesting enough for him to come back. And I think he had to rework the script to eventually uh, get Randall to come back. And you can't have Clerks without Randall. I mean, it's just you have to have. Do you guys? Yeah. Do you guys know exactly what that script's? What was about? I well, wish I knew. I wish I knew. Well, we'll, we'll find out. But I, the, the other thing about it, too, though, I, I think even the bigger factor with Jeff Anderson was that he wanted to get paid, you know, and <laughs> uh, Smith has talked about this, you know, like he took them for granted. You know, he figured like they're not yeah. actors and they don't, yeah. you know, whatever. And Anderson was basically like, no, pay me my money. And, and Smith was like, He's right. You know, the, like yeah. the, the whole time he's talked about, like the whole time that he would he was budgeting this thing. It was always like, well, we need this much money. We have this much money. We, we need this much to make the movie and then we'll pay the actors with what's left over. But instead, the new philosophy became rightfully so like they are the two people who you can't make a movie without, right? Yeah. yeah. Did did you uh, guys see the... Before the film started, it, it started with an intro from Kevin Smith. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, by, by the way, we saw it at the... the what was Fathom, it? The, Fathom uh, event. Fathom yeah. uh, oh. event last night uh, on, uh, it's start, on a Tuesday it's start, premiered. 
Yeah, it's all start- at the same time. Yeah, yeah. not, not together, all, separate theaters, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, all completely diff- different parts of the world, but uh, we all took pictures in front of the marquees, and uh, we all look beautiful in those pictures. Yeah. Uh, jo- join the TFS dis- Discord. Uh, <laughs> but See those pictures, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it starts with a... Uh, uh, a note from Kevin Smith saying uh, or a little message, a video message where he says uh, kind of bluntly like, Hey, thank you for coming out to this movie. I know that it's usually like the $200 million Marvel movies that get people to come into the theaters. And uh, thank you for coming to support uh, what is definitely the cheapest movie playing in this movie theater right now. And, uh, I, I gotta say, watching the film, you can absolutely tell they did not have any sort of budget. Like, I, I believe you that, like, they probably took all of the budget they had and said, Jeff Anderson and uh, um, Brian O'Halloran, O'Halloran, you two get it. <laughs> yeah, which which I think is perfectly reasonable. Um, yeah. But uh in regards to what the original clerks 3 was i don't know for sure i know that uh a lot of the elements which which were in it were reused and reboot you know wow. i'm thinking probably a lot of the jokes and stuff like that but uh the good news is we will find out for sure because i guess when when it looked like the movie would never get made or whatever they did as a fundraiser for the um, theater, the community theater where they held auditions for the original movie. They did a fundraiser where they did a live read of Ooh, the script. Interesting. Well, they, they shot it and um, he said that it's going to be on the DVD. Oh, fantastic. So, and, and also now that he has his little, um, you know, label, at Dark Horse Comics, he's also planning to make that make that story that that original Clerks three as a comic book. So, uh, so, so we cool. will get to to see the original Clerks three in in various forms, even if it's not as a movie. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, Clerks three, it's finally here. But you know, something happened in between that original script and the new one, and that's that he had a heart attack, and obviously it kind of changed his worldview and changed what you know living life in his forties meant. And uh, because of that, the script needed to change too. So it did, and this is uh, what it became. So um, yeah, I guess should probably say up front like if you haven't seen the movie we're oh, yeah. probably gonna spoil the shit out of it uh but i guess that's to be expected at this point in time um so yeah uh i guess the question is what did we all think about this movie we honestly don't know we haven't talked about it there have been hints there have been whatevers but uh yeah marcus what did you think about that's a very <clears throat> very very loaded question in my head, this is a very bleak movie, um, and I don't know if that was necessarily the intention, or because, uh, like, it, it, I mean, uh, the real Kevin Smith, he did face down death with that heart attack, and uh, this film really deals with uh, drama more than 
any of his other films, I, I, I would say. Like, the goofball comedy stuff is still there, but it's more... I, I would kind of call the film more of like a, a dramedy or a, a drama with comedy elements in it because like there is so much infighting between Dante and Randall. Uh, Randall has a heart attack in the first five, 10 minutes of the movie. Um, in the very opening montage, we, uh, we, I, my heart was absolutely broken to find out that Becky had passed away. And, uh, slowly throughout the movie, we find out how that happened. And, uh, it, it just gets worse and worse the more details we find out. And, uh, and then, <laughs> by, by the end of the movie, we, uh, get the clerk's one ending and original ending. And I, okay, let me, I'll, I liked the movie. I liked it a lot. And it has kind of sent me on a bit of a, spiral of emotion of uh, a little bit of depression a little bit of uh i i i am honestly having a little bit of an existential crisis because of this movie i like my, my my life is not in the greatest place right now that i don't need to get into that detail those details but like watching this and seeing these characters that I grew up watching, I, I watched Clerks when I was way too young, and I watched it over and over and over and over and over. So I really do love Dante, Randall, Jay, Silent Bob. They, they, these characters mean so much to me. And um, what happens to them throughout this film is... It's an incredibly challenging work, and I, I, I uh, back to what you said about the the chasing Amy scene. He is capable of making incredibly compelling writing, and he's going to do it probably at least once a movie. Uh, the reason I love chasing Amy so much is because that's most of the movie. And I would say Clerks 3, that's most of the movie, is he's really reckoning with uh, getting older, with nostalgia, with uh, the fear of death. And we say it, we see it play out with uh, these characters that we care so much about. And uh, I don't want to immediately say the ending, but when the ending, it just, yeah, I, it, it stunned me. I, I was left uh, kind of cold and uh, I. <laughs> After the after the movie ended, I, I went to a Walmart and I walked around for two hours doing nothing and just kind of thinking about the movie. Like I and today I took off work and kind of just did nothing but think about the movie and my own life and. Honestly, yes. It, it uh, back to Mar what Marcella said. It, it kind of sent, sent me into an existential crisis. Like it's, it's a, it's an incredibly powerful movie for how dumb it is at times, and for like to say that Kevin Smith made a movie this heavy and this uh, poignant and this thoughtful uh, again in a way that I don't think he has since, uh, it, uh, Clerks 2. Uh, Clerks 2 is a very thoughtful movie as well. Uh, and Zack and Miri. But those aren't, uh, le <laughs> those aren't depressing movies. <laughs> those are, uh, this movie, uh, just, it made me sad. 
it made me really sad. But I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's bad. It's just not what I expected. Uh, here's what happened with me and Clerks 3 yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I went to that Fathom event like like you guys did. Had some uh, Kevin Smith, uh, uh, you know, acolytes in there. Wasn't a packed house. It was like maybe 10, 15 of us in total. But, you know, we, I, I could tell instantly, yeah, same as Marcus. It's like same diehards were there. Uh, and I don't consider myself a diehard, even though, like, I, I mean, part of the reason why, and, and I was going to go to see Clerks 3 before Mike invited me on this episode. Like, I was already set. I had bought my ticket like two weeks ago. And Mike, and Mike asked me a few days ago. So I'm like, I, I'm already on board. I'm already going to see Clerks 3. You know, despite before seeing the movie online on Twitter, people were sharing plot points. And I like rolled my eyes. I'm like, really? That's what this movie's about? Because they talked about how Rosario Dawson's character, Becky, you know, passed away. And like uh, uh, um, Dante talks to uh, her in ghost form. Uh, but the way they described it on Twitter was like, a lot worse than that what actually was by the way so but i read that before seeing the movie so that i that clouded my judgment of it right you know before seeing it which is not good anyway i came in with an expectation of like okay maybe this is not going to be as great as i thought it was going to be and then i walk in and as soon as the fathom of uh, stuff was playing i could tell it was in the wrong aspect ratio i shared this on our discord and i didn't say anything uh, as the movie started playing because <laughs> i this was an experiment in my head, okay? Now, I'll talk about the actual movie in a bit, but I was like, okay. Uh, the screen, and, and Mike will know more about this than me, and, I, and maybe he can probably explain it more than I can, but let me try. But, like, the, the screen was a widescreen, like, scope screen. So, what, mm -hmm. like, 2.39, yeah. whatever aspect ratio that is, right? And the movie itself is, is what, like, flat? Yes. Like, 1.85, right? So, it was cropped. So, the top and bottom of the screen was cut off, and like the middle was like on the screen. And let me tell you, save for like, you know, except for maybe two or three scenes, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> it was actually looked pretty good in like widescreen aspect ratio. It's like cutting off the top and bottom. It didn't matter. <laughs> like it still worked. I'm like, hey, this is actually pretty good. This is like maybe better shot in this aspect ratio than Dogma. Anyway, goes to, goes to show like, I don't know, like even Smith would say himself, you know, not the best, not, 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 not the master of the frame or framing, you know, Kevin Smith. Anyway, regardless of that, I think aesthetically the movie looks good. The movie itself, I, I saw it, was stunned, told myself, okay, what am I going to do now with the rest of my night? I went to go see Final Destination 5 in a theater <laughs> in 3D. Yeah, I'm very jealous <laughs> that you got to do that. <laughs> 3D is great in that movie. Um, turns it turn out to, to be the, the perfect double feature <laughs> because dealing with death in two very distinct ways in how Smith deals with death in Clerks 3 and like how her directed Final, Final Destination 5 handles death. I, I just had death on the mind last night and I did enjoy Clerks 3. I think it might be his most ambitious movie he's ever made. Um, I did almost cry during it. Oh, I should also say I did watch I did rewatch Clerks One and Two before seeing Clerks Three, which was the perfect way to do it. And you know, yeah, the plot is yeah, uh, uh, Randall has a heart attack and decides to make a movie in the convenience store they're working at, and basically remakes the first Clerks right in black and white. And seeing those scenes in Clerks Three, where they're using the same people, you know, aged what twenty something years, yeah, to reenact 
scene by scene, you know, Gus Van Sant psycho style, scenes from Clerks 1, that blew my fucking mind. <laughs> and I have Clerks 1 on in the background watching it again and I'm watching scenes that I saw with like the aged up characters. I say aged up like they, they, <laughs> they, they, it's, it's insane to me because like I, I wrote this down. It's like how like what other movie, what other franchise, like what other – like I, I I don't think I've seen this pulled off as well as as Smith does in this. Where and and oh and by the way, just to show you where I'm at with this movie, I did rewatch before this uh, before recording with you guys. I put on Before Sunset because that's where my mind's at. I do think the Clerks trilogy is to Smith what the Before trilogy is to Linklater. I think that's I think that's fair to say. And the way Smith deals with like time, memories, like everything you know, collapsing into itself. It's like, he, he pulls something off very, very special in the end with this movie that I think Linklater also deals with in his movies in the before trilogy and like boyhood and all that. So to think that like, I can make that connection to Smith who started like, because he was such a fan of like slacker, right. Of like Link, Linklater slacker. It blows my mind. So yeah, I do have problems with the movie. I, I get, it's not it's not great, but yeah. what he tries to do here, the ambition in it, like I, I'm still kind of blown away by it because I think it's 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 something else. Like, yeah, so somebody else talk because I have yeah. more to say, but I want to take a break from talking. <laughs> uh, what you said about him getting the original actors to do the original, I don't. How the hell did they pull it off? Finding these people. Cause these were just people in New Jersey that he like knew or like said, Hey, come be in a fucking movie with us. And then somehow to track those people down 30 years later to do shot for shot, the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, Michael Haneke style that, that can't be overstated how goddamn incredible that is. Like I, I couldn't, I could not believe my eyes and they didn't just do it for one or two things. They did it for everything it feels sort of like a uh, sort of like a miracle but i agree with you marcel i don't think it's great like i I'll, uh mike i would like to hear your general thoughts yeah. before i start to say the stuff i don't yeah. like yeah so just a little backstory here i guess for me personally in in relation to this movie because i think it does inform whatever my opinion of it but without getting into any specifics or anything like that this has easily been like the worst year of my life, you know, and, and I have dealt with some like real loss and everything like that. And, uh, yeah, it sucked. But anyway, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously I was going to go see this movie no matter what. And I was talking to my wife and I'm like, so do you want to go or not? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, cause this is, I mean, Kevin Smith's a funny guy. This isn't going to be very depressing, whatever. Yeah, let's, let's go. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, it deals with, you know, the fact that he has a heart attack, but then, you know, and, and she's like, so what do you think this movie is going to be? Like, as we're sitting in the theater, she's like, what do you think it's going to be? What do you, how do you think it's going to, she's like, you think this is going to be the type of thing that get, gets you to go vegan or gets me to go vegan or whatever? Cause she's mm-hmm. always kind of like flirting with that idea of going vegan. And I'm like, yeah, I think it'll make you go vegan. And I think it'll make you want to do all that stuff that you haven't done, you know, that you've been wanting to do. And she's like, okay, I can see that. And you know, the movie starts and 
like you're saying, the very first thing you see is like Becky's dead, right? And my thinking there was like, yeah. that's what like I, it was it was shocking, and I'm like, why? You know, like like just as like a a story, you know, I'm like, why would you do that? You know, that that seems like a mistake. And then, you know, as it continues, you know, and, and I mean, you, obviously the first act, you kind of see like everything which which is happening in the movie. And, you know, the the story gets rolling in terms of, you know, making the movie. And Dante's story is much bleaker. And the whole time I'm watching that, I'm like, I do not like what they're doing with this. Like, this does not seem... Um, to be like a good choice, right? This doesn't seem to be like what what I thought this movie was going to be. And then when you get to the end, and I mean, it's, we're, we're, you know, 40 minutes in on this podcast, let's just say it, whatever. Yeah. When you get to the, to the yeah. end and, and he has a heart attack too, at that point I was like, what, what, is this bullshit? Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is a ridiculous storyline, right? Not like, oh, you know, it's tragic or whatever, but it was like from a storytelling standpoint, it's like, and then he has a heart attack, right? And I'm like, this is so weird. This is so, I, like, at that point, I'm kind of like checking out of the movie, right? I'm like, this is clunky. I don't like what they're doing with their relationship with each other. And I don't like that what they're doing with the character of Randall. And then, you know, Dante dies. And I'm like, that does not seem like a reasonable resolution for that character. The movie ends and I'm like completely checked out at this point. Uh, and my wife turns to me and she's like, that was really good. And I'm like, I don't agree with that. You know, like, like I'm like, I don't. And I really just like, as, as we were talking about it, like throughout the night or whatever, you know, I, I really sort of like came to this realization or maybe not. Like I was trying to figure this out. Like, is it that I didn't like the movie because it was bad or did I not like the movie because of it being not what I wanted it to be and it making me feel a certain way? And my, my, my wife was like, you know, because I mean, she knew that we were doing this and everything. You know, she's like, I, I think you need to see it again. And I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't I mean, I can't you know, I, I wasn't really into it the first time. I don't really see myself going to see this again or anything like that. And she's like, OK, whatever. Who cares? And the more I thought about it today, the more I thought, like, I think I do need to see this again because I was going in with a certain set of expectations and it did not live up to those expectations. So is my opinion my fault or his fault? I don't know. kind of think it's his fault, but I can't say for sure. So <laughs> I did message you guys today and say, like, can we push back the recording of this like an hour so that I can go see it again? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I think I need to see this again. And Marcelo was like, uh, I don't need to see this again. <laughs> Which... <laughs> and and, and I, I said it 
for two reasons. One, to freak you guys out, to make you think I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. And two, that worked. And two, I was being honest because, like, for me, I had the opposite effect as you, Mike. I knew, like, I got it after the first screening. Like, I, I'll see this movie again, but I was on board. But, 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 go ahead, continue with 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 you and like seeing it again. No, I mean, it really was weird because, like, all yeah. I, I was, you know. I wasn't reading any full reviews, but I was like looking at people's reviews and I could see that the, the overwhelming sort of like opinion was like, if you're a fan of the franchise, you will like it. If you're not, you won't, you know, it's all fan servicey and stuff like that. And so anyway, I went back and watched it today and, um, I went into it, you know, sort of like with the knowledge of what happens beat beat for beat in this thing. And looking at it this uh, a second time, I responded to it a lot more. There were still things which I didn't like. I, I there it's not the movie that I would have made, but at the same time I can't fault an artist for not making up. I mean, that's like the thing that you hear all the time in star Wars or star Trek fandom, for example, it's not what I wanted it to be. Well, who gives a shit what you even then make your own fucking movie, you know, like I, I, it's, it's what he wanted it to be. Right. And it's very clearly what he wanted it to be. And, you know, you can debate whether or not it's good, but you know, it is his vision, which is, you know, he's the creator of clerks. So this is what it is. And watching it this time, I mean, the the Becky thing still bothers me. I mean, I think it is borderline fridging, and I think yeah. that uh, you're losing yeah. out on so much potential to examine what that character is when he is in a relationship like that. That um, you're yeah. you're just missing out on on, on a lot with that. So- I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, because I agree with you, Mike. And I think Marcus is also in agreement or has this question. It's like, why? Why kill Becky off? And I, I, I think, I guess I'll jump to the ending. I'm sure we'll talk more about the ending ending. But I had no problem with Kevin Smith giving both these characters heart attacks. Because, yeah, yeah we, we talked about yeah. this on the Clerks 2 episode, Mike. Like, during the Clerks 2 commentary, Smith goes, like, these characters are who I could have been. In an alternate universe, this is who I could have been, right? And it makes sense to him to give both of them what he got, like, to have them go through the ringer. But to give those two characters heart attacks, like, the chances are slim that even Randall got got out of there alive, right? So, of course, one of them has to die. And I think Smith wrote himself in in, in a hole saying, like, okay, I'm going to kill one of these characters. So, how can I make it where Dante... (laughs) It's like, maybe I'll just kill off his wife, like, early on. And, like, it's so that that death will not seem so... Uh, I, I again, I'm trying to wrap my head around with like why Smith would kill Becky off. It's like maybe that's the reason. It's like to have her already dead and to have her be in that like dream sequence where like they both go to heaven. Dante and Becky go to heaven. I guess to him is like the resolution he wants because like he has to kill one of these characters. And I, it, like to your point, Mike, it's like I don't fully agree with that with both Becky and Dante dying, but. I feel like that Smith has every right to do what he wants with these characters because these are like his 
most personal characters. Like, like he, th- this is where he started, and it, it it blew my mind when when he said in the intro to that to, to the, the the Fathom intro what what Demarcus was talking about earlier, how he said, "Yeah, welcome to the theater, and welcome to the final chapter of Clerks." I go, "Final chapter?" Yeah, it's like that stuck in my head. I was like, "I I didn't know this was the final chapter," and I had no idea that it's going to end with Dante dying. So I'm still kind of in shock that that happened. But again, Smith could do whatever he wants with his characters. And to me, Becky dying was just part of like this whole, like somebody has to die. People have to suffer because, Hey, life is great. You have to, you have to live life to the fullest. I went through a heart attack guys is what he's saying. So here's what I learned. Like that, that line where the, 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 the doctor tells Dante, he warns Dante. It's like, Hey, by the way, Randall might go through some depression after having a heart attack. Cause like, that's what happens to most males after, you know, uh, after they have these like life shattering heart attacks. And that's what Smith is going through now. And this is what he does in that depression state is make clerks three. So that's what I see it as is like, to your point, Mike, like this this is an artist putting it all out there. Whether we agree with it or not, it's his. So that's where I'm at with like Becky, Dan- uh, Becky and Dante dying in this. Like he just had to do it because that's these are his characters, and he's just going through some shit. <laughs> that's what it is. He really puts Dante through the ringer in this. Yeah, movie. and what what you said about how. Dante and Randall are basically both Kevin Smith. They're both stand-ins for Kevin Smith. Uh, and uh, Randall is the Kevin Smith that survived. He has motivation to continue making uh, movies. He's going to start eating better or whatever. He's going to get the veggie burger at fucking movies. Uh, but since they are both Kevin Smith, the other one also has to die or also has to have a heart attack and he explores, well, what happens if I had died? Uh, um, I will have left behind this legacy. I will have left behind clerks. Uh, and there will be people that care about me because clearly, clearly, even though Randall and him are at each other's throats for almost the entire goddamn movie in a way that's not funny in, in a way that's like very serious, he still does leave behind people that care about him and technic and they made a movie. They made it, they made a movie and that's, and Kevin Smith made uh 13 other movies, but, uh, but uh, still it, it's just kind of like, well, yeah, if I had died, you know what? I, I can be happy. I think that's that. And then Randall is, I did. I did survive. I'm reinvigorated to make more art. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It's like what you said, Marcus. It's okay. like, well, if Smith had died in this universe, right? Like, of course he'd leave you know a legacy yeah. family behind. But to take that away from Dante immediately, what? Like she dies shortly after Clerks Two. It's it's painful because, and I think the lesson is like. I guess Dante should have lived a life. Dante should have moved on. And he didn't move on. He died. He might have gotten that like true vision of like of his friend finally, well, not fi- I guess yeah, I guess yeah, finally accepting him and saying like you have always been my hero, like you've always been like the 
like best friend, like that moment in the end, like when he shows him the movie, it's like he got that, but he he went through like what fifteen years of like my my I, I can't believe I'm laughing. My wife died in a car accident with my unborn child. Like the horror of that to have him suffer through that for fifteen years. That's painful. Like I, I don't know why he went through all that. Like I, I'm trying to relate it to his life in some way, and I, I, the best I can come up with right now is Jason Mewes had all these troubles. Uh, there's, uh, by all accounts, Jason Mewes probably should not be alive right yeah. now, and like I think Dante is exploring the darkest timeline. Uh, Dante is living through the dark version of what could have happened to Kevin Smith and Randall is living the, uh, the, the good version. That's what I wanted to get off my chest is like, just Becky's like, yeah, like, like you were saying earlier, Mike, her, her fridging, that's the term, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, I just reiterate, it's painful to watch Dante go through, go through all this. And I'll say like Brian O'Halloran, like there are moments in the movie where like his acting is questionable. And I think that's the case for every clerk's movie, right? For, yeah. for, for both Anderson and, and O'Halloran. But sometimes he's like, yeah, but then he really shines. Like that final scene he's in where he's shouting at Randall. It's like, no matter what you think of like what's actually going on in that scene in like this, this fight that's, that seems to be going on every like 10 years, 15 years for these characters. It's like, it's like, I get it. Like <laughs> they have to go through this every 15 years. Right. And that's where I thought it was going. It's like, okay, here we go again. It's the end of clerks one. It's the end of clerks two. But this time Brian O'Halloran like really gives it his all. And it's such a performance. And I did not expect him to just collapse after that and like die shortly after. It's like, that's what really got me. It's like, that's what's going to stay with me. It's like to, I expected it to end just like all the other ones, but to have it end this way, that really, I'm still like shocked that that happened. And I still remember like the woman sitting a few seats uh, uh, next to me, like crying for the last 20 minutes of the movie. And then after the movie was over, still crying. So yeah, um, I can, I, I, I see now why people like, <laughs> like we're, we're saying like, this was like Kevin Smith's last Jedi. It's like, it does something we don't necessarily expect to happen yet happens so yeah watching watching the clerks trilogy back to back i think is going to be a hard thing it was hard for me to do in a day (laughs) like i i i know i i think but i just think in in the future if uh, they ever make a triple pack 4k release of these three movies are you ever going to want to sit down and go one two three (laughs) I don't think so. I think they're such wildly different fucking movies. Like, I, I don't think, not that that matters at all, but I, I, that's just like a thought I had. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I would watch one, I would watch two, and then uh, three, I'd be like, eh, eh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go watch Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And I'll also say, it does feel like a, it's an after school special in the, in the best way possible where it does have that scene with the doctor talking to uh, Dante after Randall's heart attack. Yeah. And it's very, it's, it's not played for laughs. It's just, it does feel very PSA. It's like, yeah. if you're, if you're at a certain age and you eat like shit, then you have to get your heart checked. Mm-hmm. And it did feel, it did feel like, yeah. like Kevin Smith was like directly speaking to his audience there. It's like, yeah. Hey, get yourself checked. And he's talking to Dante and Dante just shrugs it off. 
then you know uh 90 minutes later he dies of a heart attack and uh, as blunt as that may be you know of getting a warning it's like get your heart checked and then dying you know of a heart attack that's you know a few weeks later uh, smith knows what he's doing he's like hey i had a heart attack i know the chances are like if 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 you live this way and this might happen to you and it's a warning and i i do appreciate that because sure it's blunt it's in your face but it's he the, the man went through it and like the the way uh it shot the way randall like uh, um as he's having this heart attack as it's happening it does seem real like the 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 sound goes away you know this the, these close-ups of, of like randall's face as like he's sweating it's like yeah like smith wanted to put that his real life experience on screen and and i felt like i got that and yeah it does <laughs> being a 36 year old man now i am more worried about my health than i should be um because hey um i could drop dead any second and yeah. so smith wants you re- wants to remind you of with this movie you could die any second <laughs> comedy but also say this going along these lines of like a psa i feel like yes on one hand, he does say this is well. This is the very real thing. Um, death is hanging over all of us, and especially me, Smith. Before a heart attack, it's like yes, I I had I had a heart attack because I lived this way, and like you could stop that. Along with saying all that, he does also say this is how you make a movie, which I appreciate. It's like hey, anybody can make a movie, and I love that Soderbergh is I, I love that Soderbergh's name checked. I love that. Linklair's name checked. Yeah, anybody can make a movie if you can find somebody who'll give you thirty thousand fucking dollars. Okay. I say anybody. I, I I really I really do not like that mindset of his. Hey, you you've got your camera on your phone. You can make a goddamn movie if you're Steven Soderbergh, or if you're Sean Baker, who can find some sort of funding. I I don't I don't think that that's true. I mean, where okay, where am I going to find thirty thousand okay. dollars from my fucking ex wife? It, it cost him thirty thousand dollars to make his movie but you know as as someone who was you know there trying to make movies at that particular moment in time i can tell you that you know half of that budget probably went to the cost of film which is now zero like you could make that movie for no money you yeah. could do it. Okay, so seventeen thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm just saying. Where do I get that? I'm see, just no, saying, that you, you don't need lights. You don't. That's need, the thing. You have editing software on your on your iPad right there. <sighs> to be okay, to, to to be fully transparent here, to be fully personal, I was a videographer for so many years, and literally, like the moments in the movie where they're just shooting in the store, like shooting, you know, uh, um, uh, Jay, uh, uh, Jason Mewes outside and him saying you know uh, go away because i don't want to see anybody uh, I, I want anybody i don't want anybody to see me dance i got flashbacks from like i was shooting stuff and shooting short films like shooting like you know boring you know commercials for small businesses it's like i don't know like i, I get where you're saying marcus is like yes you need money right but just I it like, feels like a pull pull yourself up by your own bootstraps it's not necessarily thing. that I it's like okay it's his passion it, that's what it feels like to me to me that's like what it feels like to me to me it's like it, the, the passion he had when he made clerks one it's like that passion of like i yeah sure there is that part it's like he maxed out his credit cards like he went all this through all this bullshit and he lucked out you know like yes he like the clerks three and i thought about this while watching clerks three it's like it's him reliving 
like maybe his favorite moment in life maybe that's a big generalization but one of his best moments in in, in his life is making clerks sure. one right yes. and i think he he does put that passion up on screen it's like like and i again i get it marcus like you need money it's like it's not that easy but still like he puts that on screen like yes i did it it's like it's just this easy and i put easy in quotes and it it I, I I like that part of it. Okay, sure, it may not be that easy in real life, but I like that 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 like mentality of like I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't need to tear I don't need to tear you down. If you if you do find meaning between with that message, then uh, I I apologize for getting so aggressive. <laughs> just, we can we to can, me it seems kind of uh, a privileged viewpoint. Yeah. Well, living as somebody who's not privileged, I I did pick up a camera and like did it for a bit. But I'll say it's not easy. I'm not doing it anymore. But anyway, it I, I just to reiterate like that passion he had for making Clerks One. It's there on screen in Clerks Three, which I appreciate as like somebody who just yeah, I love movies, guys. I mean, it it <laughs> is the ultimate nostalgia trip. I mean, yeah. it, it's. It's basically him making a documentary about Clerks One, yeah, in some sort, in some, in some way. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, the other criticism there, and the the big thing that I you know went into this thinking that it would be, especially when I was thinking it would be a much you know more lighthearted you know sort of romp in the same tone as his other movies. It was like, why are you doing this? Because you've done this before, and I'm not talking about Clerks One. I'm talking about well, lots of things, but more than anything, Zach and Mary, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he he told sure. he told sure. the, that story already. And Zach and Mary sure. is a better movie. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, there is this kind of question of, like, why do this again? And I guess it's because of all the rest of it. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I think he... <sighs> It's hard for me to say now. Oh, like right now, I'll say that yes, I agree with you, Mike. Zack and Mary is better than Clerks Three, but what Clerks Three does so well is, and I don't think I would have loved it if if it didn't have this aspect of it. It's like yes, this re- the recreation, like I said before, of those Clerks One moments, and then that big moment when Dante, in his dying breaths, sees this movie and sees him, his younger self, in clerks one footage and i i can't describe how i felt watching it but like i can't even describe it now talking about it but it's like i was saying before like i was trying to say back when we started this conversation like me comparing kevin smith like to virtual link later and the before trilogy it's like it's that it's how he compressed time and like oh like this is how it blows my mind like 20 was it 27, eight. Eight, 28 years? Thank you, math. 28 years later, it's like recreating those moments and then playing the real footage next to it with these characters, having gone through almost three decades with these characters. That to me is like special. And like it, if I wasn't already on board with like the filmmaking aspect of this movie, like I was already on board. And this is what's missing from like Zack and Mary. It's like this sort of like emotional connection I have with these characters. And that's why I'm like, sure, I guess technically Zack and Mary is better, but I felt more watching Clerks 3, and I felt more that, like, the filmmaking aspect in Clerks 3 is, like, better than, like, Zack and Mary. Like, sure, Zack and Mary, uh, better movie overall, and, like, he's already covered this ground of, like, him making Clerks 1, but 
it just felt so much better watching it in Clerks 3 and that recreation of Clerks 1 with these actors having age 28 years. Uh, it, it's amazing. It, again, it's like something I rarely see that is so poignant yet is so nostalgic that it, it's, I don't know, it's something I guess only Kevin Smith can pull off. Like being, being nostalgic for one, being like, yeah, sure, this is like, this is, this is pleasing people, like the fans of Clerks, but also saying something more than that, which I appreciated because like I, 90% of James Bond by Reboot is nostalgia. But this is like nostalgia mixed with like the ever growing presence of like your own mortality. <laughs> so that's why I appreciate Clerks 3 more than like Zack and Mary on that emotional level. How, how did we feel about the, the movie's humor in general? Because I, 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 I definitely laughed a few times, but um, I can't say it's like a laugh riot. And I think the audience I was with, we were enjoying it, but just to me, uh, kind of being put off so early by the uh, uh, the Becky death, it made a lot of the humor hit less with me. I there's a there's a uh, if you stayed after the credits, did you did you both stay after the credits? Yeah. Yeah, I I saw half of that little package that they played. I had a I had a yeah, I had to go see Final Destination I, and five and three D. He, <laughs> he he mentions that like he didn't want Jay and Silent Bob to really be that big of a part of a movie because they just had their own movie. And I understand that idea, but at the same time, Jay and Silent Bob are uh, the best characters he's ever made <laughs> and they are like the the funny funniest characters of the uh, the clerks movies dogma of, of all and uh, not having as much of them uh, I think hurt the movie a little bit and I think they put too much emphasis on Elias um, we finally said his name without, after like an hour. <laughs> Elias. I know. Like, I think this is a big thing to get into. Yeah. Like, what the hell did we think of Elias? Because personally, I, I had, I thought I had almost no thoughts about Elias. I, I loved Elias in Clerks too. I think, I think he leads. He 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 goes to. He makes the movie. He 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 is one of the reasons that that movie works so well. I, I think he is a very great addition to Clerks Two, and then Clerks Three. He's kind of his his whole gag is that he's wearing different clothing every time you see him. <laughs> he's a and Satanist. It doesn't even fit. He's a he turns into a Satanist and. He's wearing like goth makeup and and shit like that, and his and his hair is different. But like, I don't think they go far enough with that to make that a joke that it lands because it just felt like okay, here's Elias again. I didn't necessarily laugh like, oh, look at how Elias looks. <laughs> and the guy that is with him, his uh, quote unquote silent Bob. Uh, who the fuck was he? Yeah, that guy. I mean, the the I think they called him Blockchain. Was that his name? 
the blockchain. Yeah, yes, yes. yeah. In 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 real life, that's uh, his his daughter's boyfriend, and uh, he's. <laughs> He's been in. Oh, uh, he's he's okay. he is an actor who's been in some stuff. Uh, most notably to me, anyway, he was in uh, something that we didn't cover for some reason. I sh- I missed this, but uh, the Sun in Lockdown, um, series that he did for whatever game show that was, uh, where he did like a series of shorts, uh, where he you know they're all playing themselves, and the idea is basically like, you know, in lockdown, this guy is is living at his house and uh, him and Kevin Smith are, you know, arch enemies because it's the, you know, the dad and the boyfriend have, and the whatever. I have no goddamn clue what this is. <laughs> so, so there was, uh, I, I mean, it's worth noting this. since we talked about everything else. So, you know, this is a, a worthy uh, tangent, but there was a, basically during lockdown when you know they ran out of programming someone like tbs or something like that came up with this show where basically they would get celebrities to make home videos and then they'd show them all you know all these little like two or three minute videos over the span of like half an hour and then you could call in or whatever i guess not call in but you could go online and vote for your favorites and the the ones that got the the low scores would get kicked off and the ones that got the high scores would get to make another short the following week and this went on for, I don't know, six, eight weeks, something like that, whittling people down. And, and Kevin Smith was one of the, the people doing it. And it, I get the impression that most of them were making like, you know, sort of like TikTok video type things. But, you know, Kevin being a filmmaker was actually making like a little sh- short films, you know, with like editing and, you know, all the rest of it, you know. And I think it came down to the end, if I'm not mistaken, it was him and Tori Spelling, and Tori Spelling won. But regardless, yeah. he got to make like six or eight of these, and he told this sort of like continuing storyline of like, hey, we're locked down, and you know, this guy who's dating my daughter happened to be in town, so now he's living with us, and hijinks ensue, and he brings in his wife, and he brings in his, you know, in-laws and everything, and it's all, you know, whatever. But the the the, the basically the star of this, or it's sort of like a two-hander thing, whatever, is Kevin Smith and this dude, you know? And he was good. He was funny. And I think that he's good in this. I think the character is kind of dumb. And I think that some of the stuff that they're doing doesn't really land. But I think, like, as a performer, he's actually really good. Um, Austin Zadjur. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yes. And... um, as far as Elias is concerned, I mean, I, Elias was never, uh, I mean, I, I never really responded to him in Clerks 2. He always seemed like really kind of like over the top and out of place in that movie. There was some stuff in there that I, I liked, but on the whole, I thought it was kind of like a dumb character once again. In this one, I, I thought that it worked well. I thought the gimmick of him changing clothes every single time was uh, kind of dumb. But, I mean, if if you're going to, you know, start doing, like, religious satire and, you know, kind of, like, taking down the church, then, I mean, 
you've you've got you've got me. I'm an easy I'm an easy. Uh, <laughs> well, I they had a they had a good setup for the his crisis of faith, and then like uh, he doesn't really do it. He just abandons it entirely, and it is a Satanist for the rest of the movie, except for he does nothing. Uh, remotely Satanist, except for uh, dress in goth makeup. <laughs> like I, 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 I think that that's. Like I, uh, I feel like they they could have taken it further. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. It worked. For I me. am. I'm kind of with Mike because, like, I in the first like f- ten minutes of the movie, I was like Elias. I don't like Elias, and I kind of liked him in Clerks too, kind of. Uh, but then, like, after a while, I'm like, you know what? I don't mind Elias. I don't mind the storyline. And overall, like the movie, I laughed a few times, which is more than I can say about uh, reboots. Uh, Yoga hosers um, was Tux was Tusk supposed to be funny? Yeah, tiny bit, right? I, I didn't laugh at all. Um, so yeah, it's been a while since I've laughed at, at a Kevin Smith movie, and I laughed a few times during this. A lot of stuff, and eh, I mean, it was kind of funny, but I didn't mind him. Uh, the whole NFT thing was the one thing. I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? I guess it's because it's yeah, crypt- cryptocurrency crypto. saves the day ult- ultimately. <laughs> yeah, which is I think the dumbest part of the movie, but. But know. but then at the same time they have Dante and Randall saying crypto is stupid. Yeah. So I mean you get both perspectives. Yeah. So it's good and bad. But I don't know. Well, to answer to answer Marx's questions, like I yeah I thought it was like funny enough. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's it made me laugh more than other Kevin Smith other Kevin Smith movies I've seen in the last few years. And uh, but yeah, but then when it became a drama. It became a drama, and I was like, "Fine, I'm on board with this too." Like, I'm a good. Uh, for, uh, I guess I just I did not mind the tonal shifts of this thing. You know, it it could be a little bit funny sometimes. It could be very sad other times. I was like, "I'm fine with it." I mean, the other thing about Elias is that um, I, I really did like the scene at the end where he calls out Randall, right? And he's like, oh, yeah. he's like, you know, what the hell are you yeah, talking about? Yeah. And he says, like, you know, I, I used to think that you were the coolest person or whatever, but really you're just an asshole or whatever. And I, I do think that that is uh, a really interesting sort of arc for Elias because, um, you know, obviously there's all sorts of analogies to, to real life or whatever. But, you know, it, it, there are times where you have you know, whatever relationships with, with mentors in one way or another. And you do think that they are the absolute coolest people in the world. And then you get to a certain age and whether it's looking back on them or seeing them, you know, just still, if they're in your life or whatever, and you're like, I kind of think that this person is not that great. And when I was a kid, I thought they were great. And now that I have some perspective, I realize like, yeah, yeah no, they're not that great. And, and I thought that that was an interesting, an interesting thing to include because I, I did think it was sort of like really true to that dynamic. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And Tusk is supposed to be a comedy. I don't <laughs> care who says what. It is supposed to be a comedy, and it's fucking hilarious. So uh, there you go. Well, I, I, I'm with you, Mike. I, I uh, just, just, just for the record, the only Kevin Smith movie I do not like is Cop Out. I, yeah. I, I would say I like to love all of the rest of them. So 
the end. Yeah, no. for me, it's yoga hosers. And I haven't seen Cop Out for a long time. Yeah. I, I like I liked yoga hosers. I, I, I thought the. I think the idea that uh, that uh, he built a movie for his daughter and uh, and her best friend at the time, or are they still friends? I don't know. Uh, Lily Rose Depp. Um, I thought that was sweet, and uh, I think it was just entertaining and funny enough for me to be on board with it. Uh, but that one's that one's in the, in the like category. It's not in the love. But uh, yeah. But by the way, let me get back to what I said before. It's like sure, this movie made me laugh a few times. But I mean, going to that point earlier where I said this movie's not great. It's like yeah, it's funny, but the bits run too long. Scenes run run way too long. Like that audition scene in the middle. It, 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 yeah, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, cut like a minute, two minutes from that, right? I, like we, we get the joke, we get it. When and that. and then like it, it, it's not just that scene. It's like other scenes similar to this, where like they just kind of run through like this like idea, this funny idea, to its bitter end, where it's like, come on, we get it. When Danny Trejo said. Uh, what do you say? He goes, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Get, get my machete. My, he says machete. It's because like, I have a machete. I'm like, he does. Why? Yeah, I, fucking, I fucking get it. Yeah. This, this is re this is silent Bob reboot stuff. So those, where, uh, yeah. Where Ben Affleck is saying, uh, the town and Argo fuck yourself and yeah. all that in, in one sentence. <laughs> like, so, uh, but, 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 but the, I did like that moment of the movie as like, kind of just like, General fan service, just throw it out there. We get to see Ben Affleck doing. I don't even know what the hell Ben Affleck was doing. He was like In doing the movie. worst Boston accent. Yeah. Yes. He was called Boston <laughs> he, John. Doing mm-hmm. Boston John. And like, it seemed like he was only like half doing the accent. He dropped out of it a lot. Um, I did not quite understand it, but, uh, but, 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 uh, do, I do have to bring something up here. Uh, Marcel and I host a, uh, um, a podcast about the film Southland Tales and one of the, it's not the plug section. <laughs> well, it's not the plug section, but one of the cameos in this, uh, uh, audition scene is, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, star. Oh yeah. Star of, uh, Southland, Southland Tales. Tales. Christina. Just just need to bring yeah. that up. Just need to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, two two celebrity couples in in that sequence. You had Sarah Michelle Geller yeah, and Freddie Prince Jr. Jr. and then you had uh what's his name? Chris Wood and uh Melissa Benoist. So yeah. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, I mean yeah, just, uh, I brought that up because that was the first one that came to mind. That that audition scene goes on for way too long and other scenes go on for way too long. And Kevin Smith is an editor on this still. I mean, I, 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 again, uh, since I'm on the topic of things I didn't like, I do feel like I'm. Uh, I said this before on this podcast. I forget. I forget when, but as a filmmaker, as a director, no, as a director, he's not. He's still not where I want him to be. <laughs> Twenty eight years in, uh, he should have written this. Well, maybe not this one, but. The next one, like write it, give it to somebody else, give it to another editor, because it it this this attempt, can't be great. Attempt I, to get a budget, man. Like I yeah. I want him to do his best to get a fucking budget so everything doesn't look like shit. 
Yeah, it, it does. It does pain me to watch this movie in particular because there are moments that I think truly are amazing, but then there are moments where there truly are where I'm just like squirming in my seat. Where it's like, please cut this scene or like, please yeah. shoot this in another way. Like, do something. But yeah, I, I still think he's a he's a brilliant writer, right? But yeah. as a director, yeah. as an editor, please, Smith. Take a break. Yeah, I mean, this was, I think, a step back for him in terms of, like, direction. I mean, Yoga Hosers, he was kind of, I think, like, out of his element. And, you know, we talked about it a a bit on the last episode. But on Reboot, I think he, you know, kind of got a bit lazy with that one. I mean, you, you look back at, like, where he really succeeds, and it's stuff like... Red State and Zach and Mary, you know, and, and I think, you know, sort of the common denominator there is, strangely enough, Dave Klein, his uh, cinematographer, you know, with him being gone, I think that, you know, because I, I don't, I think a lot of it is Klein being like, well, this is what I'm going to do, you know, and Smith being like, that sounds like a good idea. You do that, you know, whereas here, you know, you have someone who he hasn't worked with before. And, you know, as I would imagine most cinematographers do taking their, their lead from the director and the director, you know, not really giving much to work with, no, uh, yeah, you know, cause like Kevin Smith famously is a director. That's like, yeah, hey, you know, do, do, do what you want. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I tell you, I, I got so tired of like watching those um, those cut shots of like shooting straight on to like Randall talking and then shooting a side yep. shot of Randall talking and cutting back and forth between yeah. that. It's like yeah. Jesus. Yeah. In different scenes, he has the same shot. Anyway, that just just that, things like just I just hang a, on just to. another reason why going from Clerks one to Clerks two to Clerks three is going to be difficult because like there's. There's a downgrade th- in filmmaking from two to three, I think, pretty pretty. Yeah, easily. Like, like, Clerks two, like he had a run there. Clerks two, Zach and Mary, like maybe Red Zach State. and Mary is his best directed movie. Red State, well, I haven't seen Red State in a while, and I, I know you don't like Red movie, State. So I, should, Marcel, I should rewatch it. I should, like, I should rewatch it. Yeah. But but uh, but I guess we, we can't agree. Yeah, this is a, I think this Jersey is a, Girl's a good looking movie, and Dogma too. This, um, but anyway. I think Dogma looks it, but this is a uh, uh, yeah step down, like Mac was saying, uh, it, which is a shame because this is I think this is actually worthy of something of, of, of being shot well, but it's not shot well. But oh well, I mean it's 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 Kevin Smith. It's and it's the movie you got, yeah. and part of me feels like I, as personal as it feels, part of me feels like he made this just to be like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this. Let me move on. I don't know if you guys got that sense. No, but eh. I did. Mike, yeah, Mike I, I did not, you know, and I think like the thing that he keeps on saying now, for one thing, you know, I mean, granted these people are asking him questions before they see the movie, but they're like, is this it? Is this, you know, the end of clerks? And he's like, uh, no, it's not. I hope to be making Clerks movies till the day I die. What that well, means, is, is who knows? Is fucking Elias going to be the well, new Dante? It could be. It could also be. Go a, to hell. It could all, I'm, I'm done. It could, I'm out. It could be animated stuff. It could be anything. But he said <laughs> yeah, that sure. he has said numerous times now that watching this movie, his big regret is that he wasn't making Clerks movies like 
every year or whatever because he loves hanging out with these characters so much. So, sure. Yeah, well, he he should have focused on bringing back uh, the animated yeah, series. Sure. Like, if I'm anything, sure I, 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 and, I still and, want that. Hey, it could I still, still want happen, that to happen. You know? I mean, yeah. Hey, yeah. it's owned by Paramount now. They got Paramount Plus. Let's do it. You know? Yeah, stream it. Uh, it honestly, I, I said this on the Clark's animated series segment a few episodes ago, but yeah, that outside of movies, that's my favorite thing Smith has done. And I, I did like seeing like the in real life Lando in this, um, played by which is cool uh, from from the played, yeah played the same by, same no, actor right the same actor he's, is that the same actor? Well, he doesn't talk in this, um, but it's Mark Bernardin in here who is his uh, co-host on Fat Man Beyond and also wait, wait. oh that's who he, it is. he was in this Mark Bern- that was Mark Bernardin yep. Yeah, he played Lando. Mm-hmm. I, I reckon weird. I recognized him in the reboot, and he's just like in the audience at yeah. the end of the movie. But I did not recognize him here. Interesting. Yep, he's there. He just stands there. He makes some funny faces. Doesn't have any dialogue. But that is Mark Bernard, and, and um, just one interesting thing with that, and something that I kept on thinking about uh, it with this movie, and. <laughs> So Mark Bernardin uh, kind of uh, it's sort of become like a weekly ritual. I don't know if you guys have listened to this podcast lately, but, uh, you know, whenever there's a new Marvel episode or movie or whatever, Kevin is like, oh, my God, this thing is amazing. Look at all they did. Oh, man, She-Hulk seeing She-Hulk on the on the screen is, is amazing. We're, this is, what, a, what an amazing time to be alive. And he goes off on how much he loves it and then he says what did you think mark and mark is like um well you know <laughs> i liked the idea of it but here's the thing like and and he, for those who don't know bernardin is a professional tv writer he wrote yeah. for the picard show he wrote on the masters of the universe show you know he's alphas a bunch of stuff and he'll he says like basically with all of this stuff like this is what they were trying to do. I mean, the analysis is really good. He's like, this is what they were trying to do with this show. I get it. But what they should have done was this. That would have been a much more interesting take on the material. It would have done a better job of getting their point across. And, you know, in the end, it would have made for a better movie. And inevitably, what happens after he gives this, you know, big, long sort of rewrite of whatever it is they're talking about, Kevin's like, damn, why didn't they get you to write this thing? Why don't they have you writing these Marvel movies? And Mark's like, that's a good question, you know, whatever. And it's just kind of their thing. And (laughs) what I kept on thinking about ever since I I, I saw this movie was like, I want to hear... Mark Bernardin's take on Clerks 3, because I imagine if he were able to give an honest opinion, he'd be like, this is what you were trying to do. This is what you should have done, and it would have made for a better movie. Now, we'll never, ever get that in a million years, but I want to hear it so bad, you know? I, I I just had a thought. Scott Mosier wasn't in this movie, or reboot, was he? He he is in this movie. He was for like a split okay. second. Okay, I didn't he's one of the uh, one of the audition, one of the people in the audition. Yeah, uh, he's playing, okay. he's okay. playing Willem. 
I forget what he okay. said. He has like one line of dialogue. But yeah, because like in the in the oh, first, he just says like he's like one of the people that buys the Chuli's gum, right? Wait, Mosier? Yeah, isn't he? Well, he's he's Willem Snowball. He's, oh yeah, oh yes, right. Snowball. Yes, yeah. Right. So here, I, I, I think in I his, am a fake Kevin his, Smith fan. <laughs> in his line read, <laughs> I think you. he says, "That's beautiful, man," and then that's it. That's literally all he says. Okay. <laughs> But he's busy. He's busy uh, making Grinch movies, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I, what? What? What was the reason Scott Mosier and Smith? Uh, like, I I think Scott Mosier just got terms of, tired of doing this. He wanted to do his own stuff. I, I mean, I really he also yeah, yeah yeah. I mean that, that that's literally what it is. He I, in 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 a lot of ways, like I, I kept on thinking, and and he was the Dante in this relationship, right? Like yeah. Kevin Smith was the one making the movie. He needed someone to help him. He needed a producer and that ended up being Mosier. And the plan was always for them to alternate. They would, you know, make a movie that Smith directed and then they would make a movie that Mosier directed. And of course what happened was clerks blew up and all of a sudden Smith was the director and they fell into their roles. And Mosier was doing stuff on the side the whole time. He was an editor. He edited Who's Who's Your Caddy, <laughs> and mm-hmm. he he was like an edit doctor on 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 a number of movies. And uh, then he got into animation. He was writing for the Spider Man cartoon in the uh, early two thousands. Oh wow! And everything like that. Then producing Free Birds, and then you know he he did Grinch. Which still amazes me because it's like Kevin Smith, he produces Kevin Smith movies for like, what, 10, 15 years. He, Smith is the, the successful director. Then Mosier comes in, makes one movie as a director, and it it alone makes like 10 times as much as all <laughs> of Kevin Smith's filmography, you know? Yeah. Well, whatever it's it's a good movie yeah. i thought about that because like yeah scott Mosier is in that like dynamic of like um Mosier, kevin smith and like dante randall yep. and i and earlier when i said like yeah like smith thinks of those two characters as like himself like it makes more sense that Mosier is like in yeah, that so like Mosier was that he's, dante role this was like a threat to Mosier. he was saying like you're gonna die soon, buddy <laughs> yeah. This is like his death note to Scott Mosher. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've never seen Death Note. I hope that reference makes sense. Sure. Um, we've been recording for a while. Should we like start wrapping yeah, up? Yeah, well, let's, let's start. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Up. I don't know how long these usually go. I, uh, I am. Uh, <laughs> this might be the longest one. I'm certainly know, a talker. I, I can, I, you know, Kevin Smith prides himself on uh, cutting his movies down to uh, the the bare bones, and I can do the same. Oh God, it's my my chance. Oh wait! Oh wait! Uh, Okay, one one thing. So I'm sure you all got the same thing, but like at um, at the end of the movie during the credits, Smith comes yeah. on yeah. and like does yeah. a does a little. He, I don't know, what do you he think? talked uh, about what the that. Fuck even was it? Uh, yeah, well, he he talked about that on a recent podcast where he talked about the premiere of of the movie, and he said that um, basically in the editing process he found that during the credits he had this little extra bit of real estate where he could 
talk. And that's what he does, you know? (laughs) So he's like, let me do this. And he... He said that he he wanted to do it just so that he could get some some more commentary, whatever. He thought it was kind of a cool thing to do. Um, but the interesting thing is the reaction um, that people had to it. Like when he was at the after party for the premiere, a lot of people came up to him and mentioned that and said that that was their favorite part of the movie. And he's like... Kevin Smith, the filmmaker, was like, what the fuck? It's not even part of the movie. But Kevin Smith, the person, was like, excellent, because that's me. That's my personality. That's me talking, yeah. you know? When it when it happened initially, I was like, yeah, what is going on? This is strange. And also, this reminds me of yeah. Tusk, which I don't like, because he did that. Uh, at the end, during the end credits, during the end credits of Tusk, he plays that clip from the podcast yeah. that's based. And on yoga hoses, same yes. thing. Same thing. Yoga hoses. I forget. I forgot that happens during yoga yeah. hoses. I try to erase that movie from yeah. my mind. Hosers, but yes. but okay, when he starts, when he starts doing it at and during the credits of Clerks Three, when his voice just comes in. At first, I thought it was like the Fathom Events thing screwing up. It's like what's what's going on? But no. But he talks about like this. He, he he's just like thanks everybody for coming. He goes oh by the way here's like a scene from a script from the script that we didn't shoot and it, it takes place in the future and it's about Randall. He's he's a filmmaker uh, and he lives through his nineties and then he gets asked you know what's you know how do you feel about being a filmmaker or whatever and uh, I forget exactly what he says. It's like. Um, can, it, somebody help me out here. What, what's the gist of well, what he Well, the, the no gist clear. is that, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the big thing that Randall and everything based everything on is, you know, this job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking customers. That's right. And and the reality that, that Randall says and that, that Kevin Smith as a person thinks is that, you know, while, while they believed that at the time, the reality is that this job was great because of the fucking customers. Which, which is touching by the end. I was like touched yeah. by that. Like it felt, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's Kevin Smith, the persona it's Kevin Smith. I, I, there's a level of sincerity. I felt was real, even though he was sort of being the Kevin Smith persona. Like I'm Kevin Smith, the podcaster, but I, I it, it, I guess it shows like how much I care about, these characters and like knowing that like that would be the end of Randall and like him saying he, he becomes a filmmaker and like makes all these movies through the years and like ends up saying that and that connecting to like Smith saying it, yeah, it's all about the customers like you guys. It's like, I, I don't know. I bought it. I, I enjoyed him that, coming I, in and doing I that. I mean, he, um, he is a, he is a filmmaker that has survived just by being a cult favorite filmmaker, like if he didn't have his audience, he would not exist. Like he's not, he's not being hired by uh, big companies to make movies. Uh, he is making his movies for his audience that go to his store to buy his merch. And uh, I think it is a sincere uh, note to, 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 to the, to the everlasting Kevin Smith fan, the people that have been there since, uh, moviepoopshoot.com you know <laughs> or or you know seven years before that in some cases <laughs> just saying <laughs> you're old I'm Mike, old exactly I'm like uh, Dante and Randall um, 
Oh boy. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because like Mike, you're not not to not to date you, but like you're what in your forties, yeah, right? I'm Forty forty. Okay. Yeah. I'm in yeah forty two. I'm in my thirties. Marcus is in his twenties. We're, we're split. Like we're, we're we're clerks one, two, and three, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This this went through my mind watching <laughs> the the trilogy in in one day. It's like okay, I saw Clerks one, you know, uh, 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 and they were ten years older than I am. I saw Clerks two; they're ten years older than I am. But now I've aged into Clerks two era. I'm not at my Clerks three era, but seeing Clerks three, I know. And these are, I guess, these are kind of my final thoughts. Like seeing Clerks three now at my Clerks 2 era, <laughs> I know in 10 years, this movie's going to hit me more, right? I'm going to go through much more things. Going to probably have a heart attack. Who knows? But yeah, I, I, I feel like these movies are going to be more special to me as I grow older, which is saying a lot considering just months ago, I was like, Kevin Smith can burn it in hell. I wasn't saying that. I was just, wow. I was just anti-Kevin Smith, right? That was just me exaggerating. But I don't know. I've had a journey like with Kevin Smith over the last few decades because yeah, I was a huge Kevin Smith fan. I fell out and now I'm just like kind of re discovering him, re re reevaluating him. And this movie in particular, Clerks three hit me in a way. It's like, well, again, ambitious, uh, such a a thing, something from an artist that you rarely see. It's like him putting all of him on the screen and it's something that it, it it's, it'll strike me as something I'll revisit in the next few years and just appreciate more. I think so. That's why I say with Clerks Three, I'm like, wow, it's it's an accomplishment. I think it's it, it it's his most ambitious work, and yeah, uh, I and I know why people are going to hate it. <laughs> I know why people are going to say this is not my Clerks. Yeah, how dare you do these to these characters? But like I said before, it's like they're his characters to, to do what he wants, and he did it. He did it. Yeah. I, I, I echo that sentiment. I think I, uh, I think it's a sort of a messy, a messy movie. And like, I, 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 it is not the movie I wish that clerks three was, but it is the movie that clerks three is. And I think it's very hard to talk about this movie one day after seeing it. Like, I feel like this is something I need to sit with for a long time. Um, and, uh, I, I also think it's, it's funny that the, the 26 year old is the one that's having a existential crisis <laughs> overseeing the, the fucking death in this movie. But, uh, I, a, a movie has not hit me this hard since enter the void. And I, <laughs> I put down the poster. I don't know what the hell I like. It's, I'm glad we have it. Um, I'm glad I saw it it's not leaving my mind and I don't anticipate it leaving my mind anytime soon. And, um, it made me respect Kevin Smith as a filmmaker again, because it felt less like playing to his audience and felt more like I'm going to tell my story. That is just not an energy that I have gotten from Smith since red state where he kind of broke the mold where he kind of broke the, the formula of what a, of what a Kevin Smith movie is. And I, I really do appreciate that. Cause like there, there are times where I feel like Kevin Smith is kind of 
just resting on his laurels a bit too much. And Clerks 3 is absolutely not that. And uh, I, I may not love it, but uh, just like Marceau said, I think with time, I, I, I think I may grow to love it. I think it's, 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 it's a, a complex movie that has affected me uh, greatly emotionally. And, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that we have it. And, uh, Kevin, uh, you know, I salute you. Yeah. I, I want to say this, Kevin Smith, I hope you're doing well, buddy. It does seem like something that he wanted to get out of his system and certain lines, like I said before, it's like, yeah, like people going through a near death yeah, I mean, event will go through like a uh, depression and I'm sure he has all the right tools at his disposal, like to, to get him through that. And sure. I'm sure he's doing fine now. But like, yeah, like I had the thoughts, like, wow, it's like again, rarely do I see something so honest and bare about and, a, a real life experience and, that uh, the filmmaker himself went through. It, it, it reminded me of the day that I woke up uh, in the TFS Slack, and I looked, and uh, somebody had posted the news that he had the heart attack, and I was just. Um, I, I spent the whole day, uh, damn near crying or I, I might've cried. I don't even remember, but I, 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 I was like, so, uh, sad and kind of scared that, that, that we would lose him. And, um, it, it brought me back to that point and, uh, uh made me realize that I, I love, I do. I love this man. I love this man. I love his, his work. And, uh, I, I, I can't. I can't wait to see whatever's next. If if it's if it's Moose Jaws, if it's uh, that uh, that Mallrats TV show, I I, I don't care. Like I, I want to see it. I really think it's going to be. I think he's calling it the four thirty movie, and and I I do think that that sounds like it's going to be really cool. I think in some ways you could say that it's going to be Clerk Zero, and um, I, I don't know. It, it'll it'll certainly be a personal movie. Um, maybe I'll bring back hit somebody. Yeah. I really wish he got to make hit somebody. I'm still a little sour about that. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe (laughs) one day. Um, I, I'm really glad that I saw this movie a second time, which I don't think I would have done if it weren't for this podcast, because, um, I came out of the theater that first time, not liking it at all. And this time, going through it in a more analytical um, nature, you know, watching it the second time. By the time I got to the end and there's the shot, you know, the pull, the, the pullback shot from the, the register with Dante and Randall both behind the counter, you know, I got like really emotional and I, you know, actually started crying. And um, yeah. it's just one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I have grown up with, with these characters too, you know, since I was... 15 years old and uh yeah they do they do mean a lot to me and um uh on the whole i think the movie is clunky it's messy it's one of his lesser works but i do think that it is good and i think that any movie which good or bad you know basically you can't shake from your mind I mean, that's saying something about what it's saying. And uh, I think on, on that level, it, it succeeds. So, um, yeah, I would say this this is a solid installment 
to the uh, Kevin Smith canon. All right. Well, uh, I guess before I wrap up this thing in general, uh, Marcus, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me um, at Gunkblader on Twitter, uh, G-U-N-K-B-L-A-D-E-R. And um, me and Marcelo, uh, we host a podcast together. It's called uh, <laughs> on the Talk Film Society Network. It's called Have a Nice uh, Podcalypse. It is our deep dive into the uh, a ridiculous title, a, a terrible title. But if you if you look into the Talk Film Society uh, Network feed, uh, you'll you'll find it. It is us um, examining the film uh, Southland Tales and the other works of Richard Kelly to an uh, frankly insane degree. And uh, I think we have uh, made a very good show. I'm very proud of it. Uh, we have had some uh, great guests recently of uh, Vera Drew, um, whose film is currently uh, in purgatory at TIFF. And uh, The People's Joker. The People's Joker, yes. Uh, uh, Free the People's Joker. And uh, Alec Robbins, cartoonist. Uh, Richard Newby, Brianna Ashby, the artist. Uh, so yeah, 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 we've uh, got some fun guests. We've got some fun conversation. It's a lot. Uh, if you if you like the length of this episode, um, double that, and then uh, and then uh, and take away Mike, and it's just me and Marcelo. And imagine that. And if you think you like that, uh, uh, go ahead and listen. All right. What about you, Marcelo? <laughs> uh. You can follow Marcus at Junkblader. Oh, whoa, look at that, Marcus! Whoa, I got the you. twist. He actually spelled the, it, the running gag. He spelled it right. The running gag is uh, I say follow Marcus at Gunkblader. I misspelled it on purpose, but it's Junkblader with a J, G U N K B L A D E R, and go to talkfilmsociety.com/southlandtales to find said podcast about Southland Tales. Have a nice apocalypse. So I made it really easy for people. Yeah, yeah, that was, so, uh, that was nice. Yeah. Talkfilmsociety.com slash Southland Tales. And yeah, Patreon, patreon.com. Uh, well, oh my gosh, it's already late. Patreon.com slash Society. And you know what? Go to patreon.com slash Society to get commentaries where me and Marcus talk over movies. I, yes, Marcus? I do this a lot. I'm going to uh, kind of be an asshole right now and uh, commit to something. Uh, live on air uh, we have done two episodes about the film domino already but we did not talk to uh, domino superfan mike schindler uh, on those episodes and that is a great regret of mine we are going to do a third episode talking about <laughs> domino with mike schindler so Whoa. look forward to that what an announcement what an announcement all right yeah I'm, I'm always up for talking about domino i think that it's the best edited movie of you know past i don't know 20 years or something like that jesus um, Christ. we gotta we oh man we gotta get into that 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 is gonna be a good conversation yeah it's a good movie so um yeah look forward yeah. to talking to ta- talking to you about it um, well, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on my website, filmdamagepod.com, doing a show called Film Damage, where we talk about um, film projection, time travel, 
and Star Trek. So just to wrap up this show, uh, Marcelo, thank you so much for letting me do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to say thanks for, for, for doing it. And I, I've enjoyed publishing the episodes. I've enjoyed listening back to the episodes. I've enjoyed being on the episodes. And I did say it during the show, like going through this series, a uh, small part of it as I was, I enjoyed revisiting. It's, I mean, I, I, th- this is why I like doing these these retrospectives or being a part of them. It's because sometimes I do it and Steven Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh becomes my favorite filmmaker. Sometimes I do it and Kevin Smith completely changes in my mind and I think he's a good filmmaker now. So sometimes thank you, uh, South Mike, for, for doing becomes this. your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see about that we'll one. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank no, you, I'm glad. And that was kind of the inspiration was talking to to you about Kevin Smith and you talking about how you're not a fan and me saying like, but you got it. You got it. Let me let me let me explain to you why you're you wrong. Kind of, you're you know, kind of, you're kind of a fan. Right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. I hey, I I, I said all you need to say. New Jersey boy, guys. New Jersey boy. <laughs> I was born in New Jersey, so I am a Jersey boy at heart. And Kevin Smith, I mean, I can't wait to go to that guy and shake his hand and go. You know what? You're not that bad. Man, well, it sounds no, like it sounds like you'll have deal. a chance in November. So uh, yeah, make make it happen. Yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, just in terms of my final thoughts on uh, Kevin Smith or whatever, you know, he's always been um, a huge part of of my uh, sort of like filmmaking journey, not film watching journey, and uh, you know, he's he's the uh, the not not my favorite filmmaker, not the best filmmaker, maybe my favorite filmmaker, certainly the most important filmmaker to my uh, existence. Um, he's the guy who showed me that, you know, it's something that regular people can do and have done and whatever and whatever. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I've been there since, you know, chasing Amy on up. I'm going to see every single one of his movies as it comes out. You know, some of them are going to suck. Some of them are going to be great. Whatever. I'm here for it. No matter what. I think he's the best. And, uh, yeah. Um, I see. I, I thought I left it a long time ago. Yeah, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you're a Kevin Smith fan for life. You can't truly leave it. You never again. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see his uh, his, his journey uh, continue. So, absolutely. Yeah i I would not have thought I'd say this, but yeah, I'll be there day one next Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, I'll yeah. be there. All right. Well, that's about it for this series for now. Uh, but thanks for joining us, Marcelo. Thanks for for having us and until next time if you plan to podcast let us know